Well, as we open to the third chapter of Colossians, we're continuing our series on peace. And if you'll remember, if you've been with us, you'll remember that we're talking about peace because peace is always important. There's never a time in our life that we don't need peace. But as we've discovered over the past couple of months, even more so now, we need to answer important questions about peace. What is peace? How do I have peace? What do I do with peace? And that's actually the question that we're going to be answering today. What do I do with peace? So I'm inviting you to open in your Bible to the third chapter of Colossians. Now, if you're new to the faith, or if you're new to church, or if you're new to the Bible, Colossians is in the New Testament. And if you have your Bible there in front of you right now, and you still don't exactly know how to find Colossians, most Bibles have a table of contents. You can turn to it in the front. You can see exactly where the book of Colossians is, and that will help you greatly. It just in whatever way that you need to find the book of Colossians, we encourage you to turn there today because we always study out of the Bible. So we're glad that you're here. If you're a guest, let me just say that while people finish finding Colossians chapter 3. We're glad that you're here. Uh, We're thankful that you decided to worship with us online. We pray that as churches begin to open, that right now you would make a decision that you will come and visit us in person because we would love to meet you. We would love to minister to you. We would love to learn your name, learn a little bit about your story, but we are very thankful that you're here today. As you turn to Colossians chapter 3, I want you to understand where in the book of Colossians you're picking up from. Now, Paul was writing to this church, and when he wrote to the church, he was answering a fundamental question, and it's a question that you and I ask on a regular basis. When something new happens to me, what should I expect? If I get a new job, what should I expect? If I'm going to take swimming lessons and I'm going to jump into the swimming pool, what should I expect? If I get a speeding ticket and I have to go to court, what should I expect? If I need surgery and I'm going to go under the surgeon's knife, what should I expect? Well, Paul is answering that question for the church at Coloss, and and we pick up like right in the middle of him answering that question. He's been saying, listen, you've given your life to Jesus. Praise God. You've surrendered your life to him. Praise God. You are now a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means you take off the old self, the old way of thinking, the old patterns of sin, the old habits that you have, the old worldview, and you put on the new life in Christ. And as he's talking about what it means to put on the new self, the new paradigm for living in the kingdom of God, he says something amazing. He says something profound. And I'm sharing it with you today because he's talking about peace. And so as we ask the question this morning, what do I do with the peace of God, we allow Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 specifically, to answer that question. Here's what the word of God says. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, 
and be thankful. Let me read that again. We're only studying one verse today, so let me just read that verse again for us before we really start to think about it. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Lord Jesus, as we think about what it means to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, we admit we need your help. We need your spirit to coach us, to guide us, to convict us, to encourage us, to shape us, Lord. That's what we're praying for this morning. We don't just want to learn more stuff. We want to be different. We want to be people who have been magnificently transformed by the power of God this morning because we study your word. We ask, Lord, that you would do that in us in a very bold way. We say, oh, Lord, would you do something in our life that we could never predict? Would you work among us? We pray as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to answer a couple of questions. And I want to tell you the questions that we're going to be answering. And that gives you kind of a framework for your mind and your brain as you're trying to organize what it is we're doing this morning. This morning, the first question that we're going to ask is, what does it mean for the peace of Christ to rule in my heart? And another question that we're going to ask is, why is this important? And another question we're going to ask is, what does rule my heart? Those are some of the questions I'm going to be asking this morning. But the first question I'm going to be answering is, what does it mean to say to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? Now, last week we talked about the reality of how blessed and how fortunate we are that we have the very peace of God in our life. We talked about upgrading, that if if the peace that's in my life is just this simple peace that depends on me or my power, I need to upgrade. And if the peace that's in my life is just simply the peace that the government can provide for me, I need to upgrade. So we've already talked about the magnificent offer of the peace of Christ being in our life. But now what do we do with it? Well, here's what we do. Verse 15, we're to let that peace rule in our hearts. What does that mean to rule? You know what's interesting about that word? It's a sporting word. And I'm very hesitant to talk about sports right now because I know a lot of you right now are grieving all the sports uh, that, that are not being televised right now and not being playing. So Pastor Zach's a little leery at talking about sports right now because I know that you're so hungry for your sports. But no, I want... I want I want to be serious with you for a second. This word is a sporting word. You know what would be its equivalent today? The word umpire. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire of your heart. (laughs) That may sound so strange to you. And as I was studying the scripture, I thought... This is strange, but you know what's even more interesting? This word, you know how many times it's used in the entire Bible? One. One time, this scripture is used by the Apostle Paul 
this word, excuse me, is used by the Apostle Paul to talk about the function of peace that we are to allow in our heart. The peace of Christ. Last week we talked about it guarding our hearts. This week the scripture says that we are to allow it to be the umpire over our hearts. Now the thing about the umpire is that it the umpire always wins. Don't you love watching those clips of these coaches coming screaming, running out of these dugouts? And they're mad, and they're throwing their hats, and they're kicking dirt everywhere. And I'm talking about they make a scene, don't they? But you know what always happens? The umpire always wins. Now, when you boil it down, and when we're thinking this morning about the fact that the peace of God is supposed to rule in our hearts or supposed to umpire over our hearts, we think in terms of, of three specific things that, that, that umpires do. Now, if you don't know what an umpire is, the umpire is the person in a baseball game. He's the one who gets down, and, and he looks like this, and he's right behind the catcher, and the batter's right here, left, right there, if they're left-handed, and he's looking, and, and the umpire's the one who calls the balls and the strikes and determines whether a person's out at home plate. That's the umpire, and an umpire has three main jobs, and the first one is to watch, and I don't just mean just in general just watch. I mean with precision the umpire watches the home plate. And 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 when the when the batter gets in the box and the catcher gives the signal to the pitcher and the pitcher gets ready to throw the pitch that umpire gets down, and that is the most focused you will ever see a human being, is when an umpire is watching for a ball or a strike. Think about the richness of what that means for us. The peace of God gets down and gets super focused and watches what's going on in our hearts. I need that in my life. I need the peace of God watching like an umpire in my life. But it doesn't just watch. An umpire watches and then makes a determination. And there's some creative ways that umpires determine or express their determination. If you've never watched video of umpires and the way they call balls and strikes and you're out or you're safe, I mean, if you've got a couple of 10 hours, go and Google this. It's the funniest thing to watch. But you understand that umpires don't just watch the game. They make important determinations about what's going on. Now, what that means is that I have a passive part in the role of the peace of Christ in my life because the peace of Christ is watching and the peace of Christ is making critical and important determinations just like an umpire makes critical and important determinations to move the ball game along, that's what the peace of Christ does in my life. And another thing that an umpire does is he directs. He watches. She determines. They direct. 
An umpire is in charge of what's happening. And if they want to direct the game to stop, they call a timeout. If they want to direct a player off the base, they'll call them out. If they want to direct a coach to leave the stadium, they'll throw them out. Now, this is interesting because only one time in the entire Bible is this word used. And it's a sports word. It's a sporting word. It's a word that's brought over from the sports world. And Paul says that we, God's people, if you're in Christ, this is your calling today. That we are to let the peace of Christ be an umpire over our heart. To watch intently, to make critical determinations, and then to direct accordingly. Wow. Fascinating, enriching, encouraging. That that's what I do with the peace of Christ. I yield to it as it umpires over my heart. Let me ask you a question this morning. What rules your heart? Like right now, I'm not asking you to answer this question out loud. I'm not asking you to put it down on a piece of paper. I'm not asking you to make it public. But can we just, can we just be honest for a second? Can I just ask you, what is umpiring your heart right now? Maybe it's the last emotional situation that you've been in. Maybe it was bad. Maybe it was the last frustrating experience that you've been in, the last frustrating situation that you've been in. Maybe it was an hour ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago. But it's still dominating your heart. It's still directing your path. It's still making important and critical determinations about what's going on in your heart. Or maybe the last emotional situation that you were in wasn't bad at all. Maybe it was good. And, it's, and that is what's umpiring your heart. That's what's ruling your heart. You see, the problem with that scenario is your heart then is being guided by, it's being watched, determined, and directed by the last thing that happened. Can you imagine how exhausting it must be to live a life where your heart is ruled and umpired by the last emotional thing that happened? Because our hearts can be up and down. Maybe it's not the last emotional thing that happened to you. Maybe what's ruling your heart is what's in front of you. That next big important thing that you have to do, achieve, or conquer. And that is dominating your heart. 
That is what your heart is set on. That's what it's focused on. That's what's ruling your heart. That's what's being an umpire over your heart. Can we just be honest and just answer the question today? What is ruling our heart? Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. But just because Paul said that doesn't mean that we're all doing it. So what is ruling your heart? Is it the past, the last thing? Is it the next thing? Or maybe it's the thing from way back. Maybe there are circumstances and situations in your life that are ruling you. Paul doesn't say those things aren't important. Paul doesn't say that you shouldn't process those things. Paul doesn't say that those things aren't things that incredibly shape who you are as a human being. But Paul doesn't say, let them rule your heart. He says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Or maybe the thing that's ruling your heart is what's way off in the future. That vision of the good life where there's no troubles, plenty of money and all the vacations and what's really gripped your heart, what's watching over your heart, what's making important, determining steps for your heart. It's what we call the American dream. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation. There's nothing wrong with a little leisure, but can I tell you this? If that's what's gripping your heart, you're in rebellion from the Lord. Maybe what's ruling your heart are unrealized and unmet expectations. And and your heart is so gripped by what you wanted out of your life and that's not what your life looks like today. You know, there's a lot of things that could be ruling our hearts. But I just wanted for us to take a second this morning and acknowledge the, the reality that while Paul says that we're to let the peace of Christ umpire over our hearts It doesn't mean that we are all allowing the peace of God to umpire over our hearts. And I think perhaps for all of us, a really good starting place this morning is to identify what is ruling our hearts. And I want to challenge you to be brave enough to ask that question and to answer it truthfully. Now, there's a lot of obstacles. When we go back to talking about letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, there are a lot of obstacles that could keep us from doing that. So let's say that you've identified what's ruling in your heart right now, and you don't like the answer, and you say, nope, I don't want to do that anymore. What I want to do is to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. I want to do what Paul instructs. I want to do what Colossians instructs. I want to do what the Word of God instructs. I want to let the peace of Christ umpire my heart, what do I have to do? Well, I want to encourage you to understand that there's a lot, a lot of obstacles 
to being able to doing that. Now, I'm not saying it's not worth it, and I'm not saying these obstacles can't be overcome and they can't be dealt with, but I do want to be real with you today while we're talking about the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. There are some obstacles to it. I wrote down a couple. I want to share them with you this morning. As we get hungry for, as we get committed to, as we get focused on letting the peace of Christ umpire our hearts there are some obstacles. The first one is this, extremely challenging circumstances. Extremely challenging circumstances. Your reality and my reality are similar in the sense that we're going to face hardships in life. Now, for some of us, that might be financial. And for some of us, that might be physical And for some of us, that might be relational. And for some of us, that might be emotional. But each one of us will consistently face extremely difficult circumstances. And every time I face an extremely difficult circumstance, I have to decide that circumstance will not rule my heart. Is it important? Yes. Does it need to be addressed? Yes. Does it need to be dealt with? Yes. Are big consequences come out of it? Yes. All of these things can be true and still not be given permission to dominate and to be the umpire over my heart. I won't give it permission. Because as I walk through life and I face extremely difficult circumstances... I want the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. Another obstacle to not just learning about this, but actually doing it, is the reality that we live in a culture that literally motivates us by fear, guilt, and greed. And those three things can grip our hearts in ways that we cannot even comprehend. We can be living in fear and not even realize it. We can be living in guilt and not even realize it. We can be greedy people and not even realize it. And yet the world around us motivates us with that. Motivates us with fear. If you don't buy now, this opportunity will be gone tomorrow. You know what they're doing? They're motivating you with fear. Have you ever watched a commercial where they're trying to raise uh, money to feed animals? And they put those precious little dogs and kittens and all those cute little animals. And they get that perfect shot where that animal is looking at you and then its head's cocked and its ears flopped over and it's just the cutest thing in the world and they ask this question, will you let this animal starve? Do you know what they're doing? They're motivating you by guilt. It's really hard to continually let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts when our culture motivates us through fear, through guilt, and through greed. It's a difficult task. 
Thanks be to God in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. I'm not sharing with you things that make it impossible to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I'm sharing with you obstacles. The reality is we face extremely difficult circumstances. The reality is we live in a culture that motivates us with, with fear and guilt and greed. The reality is there are constant alternatives Every day that I wake up, I face a new alternative to what's going to be able to guard over and, and, and to umpire and to rule my heart. Every day I have to choose fresh and choose anew. Lord, I want the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. So the third obstacle is just constant alternatives. There's always something else to turn away from God and turn to. Look, I'm not trying to depress you. <laughs> I know that right now you may be thinking, man, there's so many obstacles. Is there any reason to keep trying to do this? Yes, 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 yes. There are plenty of reasons to do that. We're going to answer it in a second. But right now I'm just sharing with you four very real obstacles to actually letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Not to learning about it. We're learning about it today. But if you actually take steps to let the peace of Christ be the umpire of your heart, what are some of the obstacles? What are some of the difficulties? The fourth one is this. It's what I call the slow fade. It's that, it's that reality that you can't put your finger on you just know that over the course of six months that the peace of God isn't the umpire in your heart anymore. Something else is. And you can't exactly figure out what happened or when it happened. But you just know that when I take a step back and I look at what's going on inside of me, I know that the peace of Christ isn't ruling in my heart. It's what I call the slow fade. You don't know when and you don't know how. You just know. You just know that when you read Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You think to yourself, ah, I wish I had that. Wait a second. I used to have that. What happened? Where did it go wrong? What did I do wrong? That's an obstacle. The slow fade. When you take a step back, you look at your life, and you realize it's no longer the way that it used to be. So what I want to do with my time now, we've talked about what does it mean to to allow the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts. We've defined that. We've talked about some very common obstacles to actually doing that. Now we want to talk about the really, really, really good reasons that we should do that. So I want to share with you a couple of reasons to say yes 
to say yes to letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to letting the peace of Christ be the umpire over your heart so that the peace of Christ is watching with intensity and with great focus and the peace of Christ is making important determinations in your heart and the peace of Christ is directing the flow of your life. Some really good reasons to say yes to that. The first one is this. Because the scripture commands it. Under the inspiration of God, Paul wrote to this church. And he said, this is what we should be doing. And I'll just tell you, as an evangelical, as somebody who is confident who is convinced that the Bible is the word of God and the Bible is the document that I need to navigate my faith in Jesus Christ and the document that's going to uh, guide the fellowship as we navigate forward in our relationship with God and relationship with one another. I mean, the, the, the teaching of the word of God is one of our fundamental values. And so... To an extent, we can just kind of back up and say we really only need one answer, and that is the word of God commands it. That should be enough for us. For many of us, that is enough. For many of us, we are hungry to see what it is that God's word calls us to be, and we're hungry to rise to the occasion, and we are quick to repent of anything that takes us off of that mark or causes us to lose focus. I don't want to be any part of that. I want to be locked in on what it is that God's calling me to be and locked in on what it is that God's calling me to do. And if allowing the peace of God to dominate my heart is what the word of God calls me to do, sign me up. One really good reason to say yes to letting the peace of God rule your heart is that the scripture calls us to that. The second reason is because in addition to scripture commanding it, it's something that we desperately need. It's something that I desperately need. It's something that you desperately We need an umpire watching over our heart, actively, intently looking at what's going on in our heart and making important determinations and directing us. Because here's the reality. Our hearts are wicked. I don't want you to be offended by that. But I'm telling you, just as clear as I can tell you, that the word of God is clear. Our hearts are wicked. Now, to the extent that you don't believe what it is that I'm trying to tell you, I I just want to turn here just as quickly as I can. Jeremiah chapter 17 gives this word. you're making notes, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 6, here's what it says. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? 
You know, we, um, I, I don't want to say we, I'll say I. I wake up and I like to think that I somewhat have it together. And I like to think that if you were to just open me up and examine what's going on inside of me, you would find rays of sunshine and rainbows. And man, Jeremiah paints a different picture, doesn't he? Jeremiah says the pastor Zach's heart is wicked. And Pastor Zach desperately needs God to watch, to determine, and to direct my heart. So when we're talking about really good reasons to saying yes to letting the peace of God rule my heart, one is just simply the scripture says it, but two, I need it. We need it. There's a personal important benefit for you and I when we do that for our own personal spiritual health. Now, is it, is it comfortable to think about my heart being wicked? No. Is it exciting to think about my heart being wicked? No. Does it bless me to think about my heart being wicked? No. But it's a reality, and we have to deal in reality. So when I look at you and say, I love you, however, you need to understand that our hearts are wicked. We need the peace of Christ to be the umpire over our hearts. You understand, I'm not insulting you. I am loving you enough to say the truth. The scripture commands it. We desperately need it. Thirdly, the body of Christ needs it. You Letting the peace of Christ be the umpire over your heart doesn't just bless you. It blesses the other believers that you interact with. And when I let the peace of Christ be the umpire over my heart, it doesn't only bless me. It blesses the people in my home It blesses the staff that I have the privilege of working with. It blesses the elders that I have the privilege of working with. It blesses the people that I interact with. It blesses the believers around us. So there's a personal benefit for me. And then there's a family benefit. And so to the extent that we are act, not just learning but actually doing this, there's a benefit to the body of Christ. The more and more we do this, the more and more the body of Christ will be blessed. The fourth really, really, really good reason to say yes to letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart is because it is a powerful evangelistic tool people who are outside of the faith and don't live in the kingdom of God that you love that you care about that you're praying for that you want to lead to Christ 
those people are attracted to believers who walk in peace. Believers who live out the peace of Christ. People watch us. I don't mean that in an eerie way. I mean that in a good way. We should celebrate that. When, when I identify, identify myself as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, people are watching. And in my life demonstrates no peace and anger all the time. They look at me and go, he's no different. Oh, but if they look at me and they see the peace of Christ ruling over my heart and that manifests and expresses itself in practical ways from the way that I live my everyday life they're attracted to that they want to know how is he different so why should we say yes to doing what Paul wrote to the church well because scripture commands it well because I desperately need it well because it's good for the overall health of the congregation of the family of God, the family of faith. Well, because the people around me will be attracted to Christ when I do this correctly. I hope today you will say yes and that you will joyfully, submissively yield and let the peace of Christ watch over, determine, and direct your heart. Fathers, we close this morning. We're grateful for your love to us. We're grateful for the way that you've blessed us as we've listened to incredible testimony this morning and as we've read scripture. And as we've sung, and as we've considered your word, you have blessed us. We acknowledge, Lord, that it's easier to talk about letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts than it is to actually let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. But you see us. You see what's in our mind. And you see what's in our heart. And today we're asking you to motivate us in a powerful and meaningful way so that we will take steps to yielding and submitting to the peace of Christ as you watch over, determine, and direct our heart. We're thankful for this day, for the chance to gather online, worship, study, But we acknowledge that we're here at a threshold where we have to decide, what am I going to do with what I've heard? And so I pray for my brothers and my sisters this morning that might be rationalizing. They might be justifying all the reasons to not let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. Would you bring them from that? And I pray, Lord, and three months, five months, six months, we can look back and say this message, this instruction, this one verse 
out of Colossians 3 was the key to really putting me on the path of what it means to live in the peace of God. Now I know what I need to do with the peace of God. Thank you for your goodness. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.